Hello and welcome everyone to another weekly market commentary from StashAway. Of course, with us, our Chief Investment Officer, Freddie Lim. Freddie, how are things? Hi, nice to see you, Philip, and also uh, fellow uh, audiences. Yeah, um, it's been a good week. Um, so far, so good. We have new highs in the U.S. markets. And uh, we also have some good news from StashAway. And we're happy to announce that we are also now available for Hong Kong residents. So welcome everyone in Hong Kong. So if you've been listening to the show, you're now able to invest through our Hong Kong platform as well. Um, check out our website uh, for more information. Reach out to us. Ask us any questions in any of the next videos. Freddie and myself are always happy to answer them as well as our customer experience team as well. Um, Freddie, let's get started. There's lots of topics we do want to discuss, right? One of the big hot topics uh, for the last six months, basically, it's really heating up, is SPACs, right? These vehicles that take companies nowadays public, which, you know, go, without going through the full IPO process that everyone is used to. Um, can you explain that a little bit more for the audience? Well, um, SPAC's been around even in the 90s um, and actually was quite infamous, um, but it's re-emerged again uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, as you know, pre the COVID situation, a lot of companies actually prefer to, to increasingly stay private, um, but then COVID changes a lot of, uh, of things for, for a lot of uh, startups and companies and and uh, actually demand for, for, for raising funds in the public through SPACs has just gone up again. So what is it exactly? It's a special purpose uh, acquisition company, basically a blank check company that doesn't yet has any activities or any operations and yet has yet to merge or acquire another, another companies or, or uh, uh, it hasn't had anything to do with anything yet. Um, which is the reason why its filing process is fast and easy. And um, normally the specs will, you know, focus a lot on the background of its sponsors who will put a small, will put in some money with it and their reputation and track record of uh, management track record and history uh, behind the specs. And, and, and uh, in some specs, they may even mention the mandate. Like, for example, uh, this spec is going to be a global robotics uh, uh, fund is going to start acquiring companies in the, in the, in the field. So uh, some may do that, some may not. Um, the big reason for why specs are increasingly popular for companies to go to go raise funds from the public market is that it is fast relatively to the years of preparation for an IPO, and two, the it also avoids the typical price that setting uncertainty in a traditional IPO. In a traditional IPO, you know, you go to work with an investment bank and who will estimate public demand, engage where prices are, but it's really a guessing game. And that's why you see a lot of pops up and pops down after on the day of the IPO. So there's a lot of volatility uh, that, that, that comes with the usual price setting process in a traditional IPO that you entirely avoided because now it's merely the spec sponsor negotiating with an, an acquired, acquired companies, uh, targeted companies, uh, uh, what they are worth, right? So, so it really, really uh, can be attractive from a certain angle for companies looking to raise money. So with that, that, that sounds all super interesting, right? And obviously, uh, 
interesting to me it means interesting to probably a lot of people right so that means they have these public shell companies so i can just go on to any brokerage platform and just buy the shell company and be part of that investment process or how does it work and then also that seems like kind of risky on a day-to-day basis i would say because if they only have one company and you set the fees and stuff right like what how do you how does it work ready on that side well Normally, before the IPO, um, the sponsors of the SPAC and also uh, and the management team of the SPAC would have gone into their marketing rounds and probably gather some investor support, institutional investor support, who uh, would get a preferential treatment, a more favorable price versus, you know, like a discount, right, uh, for coming in early. So as retail investors, we, we don't get the advantage. We sort of um, have to wait for the, uh, the IPO to be done. We buy in the public markets through your brokers. As long as it's listed in any exchange and your brokers had a connection there, then you will get it. Um, so it's a very, there's no preferential treatment or you can say asymmetric treatment between institutional investors and retail investors. And number two, there are also big risks like that you've got to know the sponsors well. Um, it's heavily dependent on them. Um, their track record in managing uh, uh, projects and past companies, successes and failures, is good to know them. The strength of the sponsor and uh, also because you're paying a significant fees to the sponsors. The sponsors on average tends to get 20% of the entire SPAC's uh, fundraising round in shares on the SPAC. Um, so they also get a huge discount in acquiring stakes in the, in, in the SPACs itself as well. So you're giving a lot to the sponsors who has no downside. Are there any control mechanism, governance processes? Investors should find out more, right? Um, and of course, uh, be mindful of future dilution because you're getting in now and the SPACs tend to raise about 25% to 35% of what they really need eventually. They may actually raise again to, uh, to, uh, with assisting institutional investors through something called a PIPE, uh, it's called a private investment in the public and equity transaction, PIPE. So meaning, even though they've gone public, they can issue additional shares to institutional investors because they needed to, to raise more. So there's a possibility that can happen and there will be a dilution to the percentage of ownership you have acquired as a retail investor. So this is some of the most important aspects of, of SPAC is it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, I think for retail investors, really be mindful of of uh, the, the the kind of risk that you are taking with a blank check company. Yeah, lots of research to be done before you do invest with uh, those. Thank you, Freddie, for that overview. I think it was super interesting, even for myself. Uh, I think that this whole spec is obviously if you if you go on any kind of financial news website, uh, they're all over the place. So very, especially uh, with Grab being in talks of you know being acquired by a spec. Uh, is, is, is quite interesting uh, and very timely. So, so thank you for that. So Freddie, in more day-to-day news, right? Um, we saw unemployment rates dropping in Singapore for the fourth straight month, right? Where do you see this going? Is this, is this a continuation going forward or do you see any kind of bounce back coming, uh, coming uh, through? Especially since, you know, it's not, Singapore has opened up to everyone in Singapore, but there's still no outside people really coming in uh, through tourism and other, you know, things. Well, um, Singapore's unemployment situation has continued to improve. Um, the overall unemployment rate has dipped from 3.2% in January to 3% in February. Um, 
And um, I would say they are assisting in the assisting form, the, the programs such as the jobs growth incentive programs uh, and the wage subsidy schemes in Singapore uh, has actually helped a lot. Um, but of course, the, um, the minister, manpower minister, Josephine Teo has warned that, you know, uh, there's going to be a diminishing returns to, 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 to jobs gains going forward. Um, however, um, I beg to defer. I'm, I'm, I'm actually very bullish on Singapore in the sense that, you know, we have already eased social distancing rules and things were still fine. The vaccine drive are accelerating and the reopening of the Singapore economy within itself is, is, is near completion. What's left is just a reopening of borders, right, with key partners. So we continue to expect further improvement in the second half of 2021 and actually do see Singapore's unemployment rate going back to exactly to pre-pandemic level by the middle of next year, perhaps. Good. So that's for, that's for Singapore, kind of like an overview, right? Uh, when we look at um, more globally and especially U.S. markets, uh, as I mentioned earlier in my call today, right? Hey, we're having hitting new highs, uh, all-time highs. People are obviously worried about starting to invest right now, right? Or like, hey, should I deploy more money into my investments uh, with you know all-time highs hitting? We've touched on this before, but I think that's a timely lesson, I think, for investors. If you could share a little bit about do you think there's more highs coming or what's going on? Where should I put my money now? Um, there's a caveat to all this because um, every time when the media start fanning like, whoa, you know, the S&P set new high historically, every time they do that, we see the market retrace lower after that. Um, but then after that happens, um, you know, um, the, the market make new another new high again. So it's, it's really, um, ultimately, it's, it's really the long-term economic growth that, that comes in. The index is always going to make a new high because um, if, if, if every year our economy is growing, um, the, the stock market every year will have to reflect those earnings potential um, and, and also the dividend that it pays out, right, vis-a-vis -vis the inflation that erodes uh, those earnings power. So it's really as long as inflation is kept under uh, control against uh, growth, as long as we have growth, um, the, the index will, you know, given enough time, uh, make new high. Um, the process of getting there is unclear. However, right, there's all, a lot of a lot of bumps and 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 hurdles along the way. But ultimately, it will be the economy. It will be the vaccine drive. Uh, if I look at today, it will be the reopening of borders uh, that that hopefully will come, if if not later part of this year, next year. And the other fundamental factors that will propel us sustainably further from here, right? So it's better to actually ignore whether you have a new high or, or you have a recent drawdown. It's better to just have a financial plan that focuses on investing your dollars on a consistent basis. For example, monthly, um, that focuses on you working out savings and investing those savings and doing so every month regardless of what happens and to try to unleash the power of compounding with time. Uh, that would still be the most attractive thing to do. It just requires a lot more patience. A lot of patience, but good lesson in there and uh, not chasing those uh, you know, highs or you know, small pullbacks. Thank you, Freddie, for that. Um, if you want to learn more about Stashways, 
um, economic regime asset allocation model, the way we invest, the way we think about investing, we have an upcoming webinar for both our Singapore as well as our Malaysian audience. That's on Wednesday, the 14th of April, 7 p.m., done by yours truly, Freddy. Um, so if you want to learn more from him, Wednesday, 14th April, 7 p.m., the sign-up links for that are in the show notes below, as well as on our website, social accounts, etc. So you can find us wherever you can find us, you'll find those sign-up links. Um, we hope to see you all there. Otherwise, Freddie and myself will be back next week. I'm looking forward to connecting with all of you again. So until then, have a great rest of your week. Bye-bye.